Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 167, The Delayed Double. An unbelievable turkey hunting story. And I am your host... And the guy who is finally going to get back into the deer woods this weekend. It's been almost a month since I have been deer hunting. I'm not terribly upset about that, but I do like to get away and relax a little bit, and this will be a good opportunity for me to do that. So I'm pretty excited about that. Another thing that I'm excited about is that we are 70 days, 12 hours, 52 minutes, and 43 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So here we are, the first week of 2018. That's still pretty hard to say and even harder to write because every time I write the date, I want to make it 2017 and most of the time I do. You know, in preparing for last week's show, I looked back at some of the show topic suggestions that you guys sent to me via email in 2017 and I noticed something. You asked me for more stories, more turkey hunting stories, and I don't think I delivered on that request personally. One of the reasons that I think that I did not deliver on that request is that I really still wanted to bring the new podcast spurred to you guys, but the truth of the matter is I just don't have time to produce another podcast right now. As much as I would like to do it, I just don't have the time to do it. So, since I didn't bring you very many stories last year, I figured today was the right time to do it. And so, today I'm bringing you the story of a hunt that I was on with my buddy Todd at his hunting camp in West Alabama in late spring in 2016. And in this hunt, there's really a lot that I think that you guys can pick up on. So, I want you guys to listen in closely, enjoy the story. Pick up a few tips, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. I've got my good friend Todd on the phone with me today, and we are going to be sharing a story of a hunt that he and I had back in the spring of 2016, which seems like it was ages ago. And the story is 
You know what? It It's good television is what it is. It would have been really good television. Yeah. It's got a lot of excitement. It's got highs and lows, and it's got some good humor in it as well. Oh, we can't forget the drama. There's lots of drama. Drama. All right. So this is a story that I'm going to call the delayed double. Or this is the story of the hunt that I'm going to call the delayed double. Because Todd and I have hunted a lot together. We have never doubled. And nope. Had a couple of chances, but uh, one of us always managed to screw it up. Usually me. Well, you know, I've, I've been known to screw up a shot or two in my lifetime. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, but we, we've killed a lot of turkeys together and have still never had that two birds come in and two birds drop. Right. And this day, this morning, this hunt, we actually did have two birds drop, but they were about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes apart. Mm -hmm. They should have dropped together, but they didn't, but it actually turned out to make it a lot better hunt when it was all said and done. Unbelievable. So let's let's start at the beginning of all this. All right. So when I get to your hunting camp, you and your twin cousin, Eric, mm-hmm. and you guys listening to the show probably don't believe it's even possible for people, for two people to be identical twin cousins. And it's not. But Todd and his cousin, Eric, are identical twin cousins. They look alike and they act alike. Just alike. <laughs> yeah. So I'm joking because you guys don't know them like I know them. They're complete opposites. Complete. Complete opposites. And so Eric is very type A, high strung, and Todd right. is very not. I'm and I'm tall and good looking, and he's short and trollish. Looks like a troll. So, you know. <laughs> That's somebody's interpretation of it. I don't even think your wife would would explain you as being tall and handsome. No, probably not. She wouldn't describe you that way. No, probably not. But everybody would would, would describe Eric as being short and trollish. I didn't dispute it, and I didn't confirm it. Right. Yeah, I was was silent (laughs) on that part. But anyway, so, all right, this whole season... We've got this piece of property down at our hunting club that is offset from everything else. It's not contiguous with it, with anything else, and it's about 400 acres, of which I would say if it's, four, if it's 450 acres, 350 of it is cow pasture and um, has a lot of little fingers of, of creeks with timber on it, you know, that runs through it or not, but the vast majority of it is cow pasture, right? With cows and, on it. With cows on it, yeah, because if they, yeah. right, and because and that's kind of important too, because if there wasn't cows on it, it'd be waist high with wood with weeds, and you wouldn't be able to hunt it anyway. But anyway, so um, there was that year, and and most years there's anywhere from two to five goblin turkeys in and around, you know, roosting in different areas around that pasture and on that pasture and, and things like that. And this year, in, in sixteen, was no exception. There were about I think there were four, you know, that could pretty reliably uh, gobble most mornings on that pasture. Mm-hmm. Well, Eric that year and his son had decided that they that they were moving in, that that was they were they were hunting them turkeys, and he he spent the vast majority of that year on that pasture hunting those turkeys, and they would they would gobble almost every morning and everything, and. The way it would work was they just 
they would get in the slip every morning. They'd slip off to the neighbor's place, or they'd get around him, or they'd get out into the pasture, and he could, you know, and be too far out where he couldn't shoot. Any, you know, just gave him the slip every every time that year. Well, by the time you came down, it was, I, it was the last week in the season, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And um, he just given up on him. He's like. I'm tired of, of dealing with them. I'm going to look at some different trees. I'm tired of them. So me and you decided to do it. Um, the main difference was Eric was, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it, it's it's clockwork or whatever, but he felt like that the turkeys were used to seeing trucks out there, which I'm sure they are because they feed the cows and the trucks are out there all the time and everything. Yep. And he would drive, and, and you cannot sneak across this pasture. You'd have to leave yesterday to get there in time for Dawn's Crack to start showing because yep. it's such a long walk across there. So what he was doing was driving his truck in there, you know, drive to about, I don't know, would you say 100 yards, 200 yards from the from the edge of the woods, it was good black dark, get out and walk walk in. And it wasn't really disturbing the turkeys, or it didn't seem to be, but, the, but he still was unable, you know, he just wasn't able to kill them. So um, we decided to do something else. We secured permission to come in on the backside through a neighbor's place and park at the gate and then walk down the edge where we never got out into the field. We kind of like come around behind them instead of coming the way that you know everybody else had always been doing yeah and um i don't know i mean it i think it made a difference to you i absolutely do these turkeys were roosting in the northeast corner of this 400 and some odd acres of property and eric was approaching them from the southwest and we approached them really from the southeast but it was enough it made enough of a difference because we were able to get a little bit well, almost behind them, kind of. Yeah, yeah, we were able to get really kind of on the other side of where Eric had been approaching them from. Right. And and I think that made all the difference. Right, and we never got out in the field. We were able to walk, you know, in the kind of, you know, in the woods or at least with cover, you know, until we got in, in there and uh, cut up through the hill and um, got on the top of the hill in there in, in listening time. And um, you hooted and they gobbled right off the bat. Yep. You know, we knew exactly where they were, and we started moving on them at that point. And there's there's basically three things those turkeys can do. They can either walk out into the middle of our pasture, into the middle of our land. They can slip off the backside onto a neighbor's place, or they can go sideways, you know, onto a neighbor's place. So two of those ways, if they or they can stay where they are. I guess they can stay in, in our woods where they are if they wanted right. to. Yeah. Um uh, but if two of the ways they go, we can't get to them. So I feel like what we were able to do was instead of coming in from the southwest and pushing them out the northeast of the property, we came in at the, you know, the southwest and were able to get behind them between them and the property line, and it encouraged them, if they ever saw us, to go more towards into the interior of our property instead of going off the property. Mm-hmm. So, but, it, I mean, that was a long hunt from the beginning. It was. Um, we, uh, you know, it was something that, um, I mean, we didn't kill that second turkey until, what, 1130? Yeah, it was It was late in the morning. I mean, it was hot, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when that second one got shot. So, um, but anyway, so, you know, they're up on the roost, and, and we can tell that there's more than one bird in there. And um, it's late, late in the season. They ought to be busted up. They ought to be, you know, they ought to be coming to calls, but they're not. 
um, pretty much all morning. And the more we called to them, the more they went away. You know, it, it felt like. Yeah, that's you know, they may long. they may answer us, but they they definitely weren't getting any any closer. You know, and uh, they acted like turkeys do. You know, in, in the first couple of weeks of the season when they're hinned up real bad. And as it turns out, when we finally you know bushwhacked them and got up close enough to see, there was what two two long beards and five hens or three long beards and yeah i think i think there were three long beards one of them had gotten in front of the two that you and i um decided we were going to make some noise at mm-hmm. and that one had was right behind the hens yeah so and then there was what five or six hens in there i mean yeah. it was a whole dang flock of, of, of turkeys in there i mean it really did to me for it to be real late april you know past april 25th you know, they acted like it was March 15th, you know, the way that they were still all bunched up and everything. Right. So, um, but, I mean, we sat down thinking that they were coming on those turkeys four or five times that morning. Yeah. Trying, you know, thinking, all right, he's answering, he's coming. But they would just, just stand there like they were nailed to the ground, gobbling at us. And um, so we'd try to ease off and back up, move around and, and everything. And, and uh the way it worked um there was like a little there was the pasture ended and then it started you know the little bit of woods that we have on that property but right at the at the where the woods start there's an island of trees an old homestead and there's you know there's grass all the way around it's literally an island of trees and it's about 50 yards from the wood line well they were between the island and the actual wood line in that you know in that area there and um and so we were able to sneak down, you know, luckily it was late enough in the season, there was some cover and we were able to sneak down the line and kind of get parallel with them. And, um, man, we stayed there messing with them for what, 45 minutes, would yeah, you say? An hour. Time, and I was pretty well convinced they were coming at that point. Right. I was too. And, and they, were, uh, they were close. I mean, I was, I was afraid to move from there. They were mm-hmm, close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're within, you know, inside of 100 yards. I don't know if they were 60 yards. You know, and at times they'd come right up to the edge of the of the, the tree line we were in. I think, you know, it kind of felt like they were getting closer, but the way the ground rolled, you just, we couldn't see them even standing up. Yeah. And so we had to move on them. And uh, so we moved right up to the edge, ease up to the edge. And we let them slip off. Yeah, kind of let them, kind of let them walk off a little bit. And we ease up to the edge and uh, of the of the of the um, the uh, wood line, and you know, and now we can see behind that island. We're between the island and the and the and the tree line, and look out there. And about seventy yards away, there there's a bunch of turkeys standing there. And uh, I don't know. I mean, so you know, we're, we're both we're both standing up uh, behind trees at this point. And, 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 you know, and got our guns on them. And, and, um, and so you called or what, what so we're standing oh, up. I made a sweet, young, sexy hen sound and they couldn't mm-hmm. stand it. So they start easing our way. And about 30 <laughs> minutes later, they get in, in, in shooting range after we've been standing there forever. It really wasn't 30 you, minutes. It was probably uh, what, six, seven, eight minutes, but it seemed like it yeah. was 30 seem like forever that you know but you're right i mean but you know when you're standing there holding a shotgun it seems like a long time mm-hmm. so sorry so you tell what happened from your point of view as they're getting closer and we're getting to the one two three shoot point so at that point todd is to my left about 
oh, probably 10 feet. Mm-hmm. And these turkeys are coming in. Now, Todd had killed a turkey the morning before. So that day before, he killed a turkey that morning. So he said, okay, and I'll say this in just a second. But Todd said, all right, you shoot first this morning. And so I'm, I put myself in a position to take a turkey. And Todd is there. He's in a position to take one, but I'm shooting first. So we actually might have doubled the morning before had Todd not forgotten his shotgun. <laughs> Hell, we almost doubled anyway, handing the shotgun off for the second shot. Almost did. You're right. You're right. But, so, but yeah, we definitely would have doubled it the morning before if I hadn't been in such a hurry and in a frazzle running out of the place and left my freaking shotgun at the trailer. And we get all the way over there. Dawn's crack showing, and we have one shotgun between us. Yeah, but you'd not unbelievable had not killed a bird yet, and so you were having a pretty rough spring. So we were we we were on a mission to get you a bird, and we did. Yep. That was good. So the next day, you said, "Hey, I'm going to bring my shotgun. <laughs> I'm going to carry it anyway. I'm going to let you take your own shotgun, and I'm going to let you shoot first. And so I'm in position. I call the turkeys respond. I call back the turkeys respond. And then about 30 seconds later, they gobble and they're closer. So we're getting ready. We're, we're waiting, waiting, waiting. Here comes the hens with the one gobbler behind them. And they went up on the hill on the, on the edge of that homestead, on that home site. <laughs> and they were, what do you think, probably 75 yards from us? Yeah, at that point, they're probably 70, 75 yards. Too far to shoot, really. Yeah. And then, gosh, it seemed like about a minute later, here come two turkeys into that opening between the home site and the woods line that we're on. Right. The little and, crescent of grass that's between the two wood lines. You know, they're, they're, you know, it's a perfect place for them to come walking up. Absolutely. So Todd says to me as they start coming, he says, okay, let them come in. You shoot the first one. I'll shoot the second one, which they were not side by side. They were one in front of the other. Now, they're approaching from my right, and remember I said Todd's to my left. So the birds are coming from my right, and Todd says for me to shoot the close one so that he can shoot the farthest one. So that was a screw-up on our part. Mm-hmm. So the birds come in and get 25 yards from us? Yeah, no, yeah, or even maybe even close. It may have been closer because they were I'll tell in a second, but because I guess it was a tight pattern when it went by him. Yeah, they they were close. And so Todd said, you shoot, and after you shoot, I'm going to shoot. So the first turkey's getting close to getting into the, the woods line that we're in. So he's almost all the way through the opening that, it, that the two birds had walked into, and he gets to the edge of that woods line, and I put the sight on him and squeeze the trigger, and then I hear, oh, I see my bird run off, and I mm-hmm. hear Todd's shot, and I look over at Todd's bird, and it's running off. And beginning to fly. Yeah. And because point, it went, boom, I wasn't even watching your bird. Because they kind of, I was actually going to shoot the one you shot first, but it, I don't know if you remember, they kind of switched sides, you know, kind of switched. You know, one one came in closer, so that was kind of the one you ended up on. Yeah. And so I'm watching the one that's kind of in the back. And you shot, I wasn't even watching your bird. I'm, I'm dead on mine. I'm watching my bird. You shoot. As soon as you shoot, I shot. 
and it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It was like the thing was in the Matrix or something. Just as I'm pulling the trigger and, and, and it goes off, the bird takes a step to his left, about two feet it looked like, and I could, it was pretty dry and dusty, and I literally could see my pattern hit in the dust behind him, and not a single pellet hit that dang bird. I mean, it just, he just went, step, boom. Just as I was pulling the trigger, he stepped in. It couldn't have been timed any perfect, more perfect on his part, and the pattern just piled up right behind him in the, you know, in the dust, and I could see it hit, hit the pasture behind him, and I, you know, because of the angle of the grass and everything, and so... I just assumed yours was laying there dead, and I immediately jump over the fence just in case, and then mine sees me at that point. He's running, and he sees me jump over the fence and and take off, and he starts flying. And I'm like, God almighty. And so I go running up through the homestead to where it comes out onto the main part of the pasture, and he's, you know, and he's... He's nowhere to be seen. Yeah, you know, I just, I just, you know, in case he was laying up there flopping or anything. So I'm just kind of looking around. Well, while I'm looking around, this is probably five minutes after we shot. Maybe, maybe not quite five minutes, but just a little bit after we shot, I hear. <laughs> I was like, well, good. Andy found his bird because I thought you were standing on his head. And so, um, I kind of continue to look around where I shot and everything, looking for feathers and everything, and I can kind of hear you walking around in the woods back there. And um, and so I'm looking around, and I, there's not a feather, there's not a drop of blood, there's not anything. And I could tell when I shot that that pattern completely missed that bird. Yeah. And so I'm pretty dejected at this point. So I walk back out into the you know, into the cut between the, the homestead and the, um, and the, the woods line, you know, where we shot and everything. And I'm kind of standing there and kicking myself for missing. And, uh, and then you come out of the woods and you look like you've just lost your best friend. And I said, where's your turkey? You said, I don't know. I said, what do you mean? You don't know. I thought you found it. No, I never, I haven't seen anything. I hadn't seen any feathers. I hadn't seen anything. He just ran off into the woods. And I said, well, I heard wing flapping. And you said, well, that, that may have been him flying off or something, but I didn't hear any wing flapping. I'm like, no, I'm, I heard wing beating on the ground, you know, like like a turkey dying wing flapping. Well, no, I, I've looked everywhere, and that, that you know, because by this point we've been looking for almost 30 minutes. Yeah. You're like, no, I, I hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen hiding a hair of him. So we kind of go back. You go back to where we were standing. I walked to where you felt like he was. Looked real good. Still hadn't seen any any um, any feathers, any blood, any any you know, not even any scratches in the ground or anything. So we're just looking around and everything. And then we kind of start walking in the direction, looking of exactly where he went. So you want to take it from there? Yeah, I'll take it from there. So we're getting pretty close to where. Well, we're we're right along the edge of the woods. We're probably ten right. yards away from the edge of the wood line there, uh, mm-hmm. looking at the opening where the turkeys were. Kind of, yeah, kind of the trail, you know, where they went in. I felt like. And Todd says to me, "Did you hear that?" And I said, "What?" He said, "That was a gobble." He said, "That was a gobble from the direction that that bird that I shot at went." And I said, "Really?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said. Well, uh, let's go over there and see if we can do something with him. He said, all right, let's go. So we took about 
a step or two and I turn around and look to my left and my turkey's laying there on the ground underneath the cedar tree. Dead as a hammer. Dead as a hammer. Not I mean not even ten yards from where he was when I shot. And we had been looking hundreds of yards out in the woods and, and just looking everywhere and he had run up under this tree, uh cedar tree that you know basically came all the way to the ground you couldn't hardly see it and laid under that thing and that was and i did hear him flopping that was what i heard when i was up at the you know on, on the other side of by the by the home site because i wasn't but about 50 yards from him and i heard him flopping on the ground but andy you know you were farther away in the woods walking around whatever probably you know and just didn't hear yeah. it and that thing was was laying there just as dead as he could be like you know like he'd been struck by lightning, and um, it was the most, it was the craziest thing. Well, while we're standing there looking at him, high fiving each other, that turkey gobbles again over there, <laughs> over on the other side. And, and I believe did did you you heard it the second time, didn't you? I heard it the second time. Yeah, you were like that. That was him. That was him. I was like, it was him. And so we get pictures with yours. Very quickly, I might add. Yeah, give that turkey a little bit of time to to relax a little bit, and and. And while we're taking pictures and everything, he just pretty much picks up gobbling at everything on his own. Yeah. You know, he probably gobbled ten times while we're milling around there, getting your turkey, you know, in your vest and, and pictures made and all that kind of stuff. And so we go back to where we shot, and where we shot is an old broke-down fence, but it's got a lot of, uh, a lot of trees and, and brush on it, and it gives us a good cover. And luckily for us, I kind of had an idea where he was. There's another hilltop about 500 yards away. The way it works is that home site we were on is on kind of one little hilltop, and then it drops down, there's a creek in the middle, and then it starts back up another hill, and there's another tops of woods up on the top of the second little hill. I felt like he was sitting in that second, you know, because I've seen turkeys in that, that second um, group of trees before. And that sounds like kind of where he's coming from. So we walk back to to the uh, edge where we'd shot from, and we ease down that line, and we get to that um, to that creek that's running parallel or kind of perpendicular, actually, of, of where we're going. And um, so we get in that little creek, and I had a box call with me. No, I did have a box call with me, but I pulled out my slate, and I called. Just real easy call. He cut me off. And so... We're sitting there and calling, and he'll and and all he's doing is just gobbling back. He's not moving. He's not doing anything. He's just standing on top of that hill, gobbling. And there's literally no easy way to get to him if he doesn't come. There's no now, way to get to him. I mean, no way of seeing us. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing but grass that's an inch tall between us and him, basically. Right. And um, now we're gonna take a little bit of time out and tell about. Have you done any uh, podcast or talked any about your fan and how you've used your fan? I have. Okay. So for everybody that's following the, the podcast, you know about the fan. And if you haven't, and this is the first one you've listened to, uh, Andy had, I don't know, would you say discovered or, or somebody told you about, about a year before this in 14, you had started carrying a real turkey fan in the woods with you. Yeah. It's it's mounted, it's it's like in full strut, you know, but it's just the fan. There's nothing else to it but just the fan. And until the morning before, I was pretty dubious of hauling this fan through the woods. You know, I'm like, this is I mean I, I can see, you know, some 
but you know, this is this got some pretty limited use, I think. You know, I mean, I, I'm this one thinking to myself and everything. Mm-hmm. And then we got on that, those turkeys the the morning before, and with that fan, there's no way in the world we'd ever killed them. Mm-hmm. So you've got the fan, and we're in this little bitty. I mean, it's not two trees wide. This little creek here, and we, you know, we can't do a whole lot of moving without getting seen because he's not that far from us, and there's nothing between us and him but but green grass, like your lawn. And so we're standing in that little that little creek and deciding what we're going to do. I called, he answered. I called, he answered, but he ain't coming. And the odds of him walking 400 yards across a a wide open field, are, in my opinion, are pretty slim. Yeah. So we're standing there, kind of squatted down, hiding, trying to decide, well, what are we going to do? So Andy says, let's gobble at him. So I get the box call out and gobble at him. And he about choked himself, but he still wasn't getting any closer. So Andy says, I'm going to keep the call here, the you know, a sleigh call or, you know, or a, the hen sound. I want you to take the box and the fan and crawl about 50 yards up there and get on that tree right up there. I said, all right. He said, keep the fan in front of you and crawl up there. He's going to see me. Just do what I said. Okay. So I'm holding the fan in front of me and got my my shotgun on my back, got my box calling, you know, in in my other hand, and I'm easing, you know, literally belly crawling up there trying to hide behind a a two-foot-by-two-foot turkey fan that's, you know, that's open. And easing up there and trying to keep where he can't see me and hide behind this thing and keep it between me and him and everything. So I get all the way up and get, you know, kind of get set down. I'm not really comfortable, but I, I and I don't even have my gun up. And I, and I've got, and I'm, and I, but I got the fan in front of me and I kind of get rested and set, set down and everything. And I'm holding the fan up in front of me and Andy calls and he gobbles. And so ease my gun around, get my seat under me and everything, get pointed towards the turkey, pointed across that field, you know, and get set up, and Andy calls, and he still gobbles. All right, good. I hadn't scared him off yet, and I don't know how I hadn't scared him off, but I hadn't. You and still so, got that fan up. Still got my fan. Yep. Still got the fan the up. And still up between you and the turkey. That's right, And but I am doing some more, you know, dancing a jig behind it, and I just can't imagine that this thing hadn't seen me yet. But I got the fan up and get my gun up and get it up on my knee and, and get it set up on my tumor and the whole nine yards and, and getting it pointed right at him and everything. Still got the fan up. Picked up the box call and gobbled at him, and he damn near choked himself again. Well, now he sounds like he might be a little bit closer, like he might be easing down that hill. Gobbled at him again. And then I see him all the way across that field. And I've still got the fan up holding it. Andy is, is hen calling about 50 yards to my right. The turkey is straight in front of me at about 400 yards, but getting to the edge of the woods. And I'm holding this fan, and I'm just kind of twisting it a little bit so that, you know, if, if he can, I know he can see it if he, you know, if, if he comes out there. And all of a sudden, he sees that fan. And I've never seen this before. I know other people have. But that turkey saw that fan. I'd gobbled at him two, maybe three times. Not, not you know, a whole lot, but enough for him to know that there's a male turkey at, down there. And Andy's hen calling. And he sees that fan good, and I'm just kind of twisting it in, in, the, in the air, you know, just moving it. And he sees it and comes on a dead run. I'm talking about his head is as red as, as a fireball, and he is coming across there, and he is pissed. <laughs> and he runs out there, and he's about 400 yards from me. And he runs about 300 yards and stops 
and is just staring at that fan. Nobody's made a sound, and he just gobbles at it when he stopped. He gobbled two or three times right at that fan, just looks at it. Well, then he turns to the right and goes into the same creek bottom that I'm on at about 100 yards or 150 yards from me and goes into the woods. Hmm, now what? So now I kind of have to move around onto the tree and get to the side. Andy, when he sees him go towards the creek bank, so now he's probably 200 yards from Andy, 150 yards from me on the same little creek bank that is separated by two giant um, uh, cow pastures. So he's in that little bitty row of trees. And I, now I've moved around and I'm facing him with the fan. And I hadn't picked, I hadn't gobbled at him or anything anymore. I've just got the fan and I'm moving the fan back and forth. Andy starts calling. He starts gobbling, 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 gobbling. I mean, he is crazy gobbling. And then he'll blow up in full strut because I can see him. I can see him perfect. Um, and and he blows up in strut. Right. You, yeah, the I way, see him at that it, point. But I could see him in, in the little creek there. And he is gobbling and blowing up into strut and as mad as he can be. I mean, he's mad. And so Andy's calling. He's gobbling everything. Well, finally, he just, I guess, commits, and he starts walking towards me out of that, out of that copse of, or, you know, that little row of trees. And he's walking right on the edge of it and starts walking to me. Well, he walks about 25 yards to me, and I'm still facing him with a fan, and I've got the fan in my left hand on the end of the gun, and I'm just kind of moving it, and the gun's sitting on my knee, and I'm facing right at him, and he starts, and he gets about 25 yards closer to me, and then all of a sudden, he sees, you know, he just decides, he comes on a dead run, a literal dead run at me, just boom, 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 running straight at me. Well, because the fan is in my left hand, I can't see down the barrel of the gun. I'm behind the fan. I can't even see it. I'm kind of looking around the edge of the fan. And so, and he's running towards me. Well, he gets to about 50 yards, and he hadn't stopped. Well, I lowered the fan down the, you know, like flattened it onto the flat of the barrel, you know, just laid it flat down, still holding it in my hand, and he picks up speed and comes running at me. Well, he gets to be at about, probably 40 yards and he's i'm he's close enough i'm gonna shoot him so i just dropped the fan on the ground i just dropped it when i dropped it he he came even faster i mean he was running as fast as i've ever seen a turkey run he is coming in there and he is going to kick my butt he is going to flog me to death because he is running straight at that fan and when he got at 20 yards i blasted him on a dead run as fast as he could run, and I shot him, and he just piled up right there in front of me. It was the most amazing, exciting hunt I have ever been on because of that turkey fan. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, the other part that's unbelievable, as if all of this up to now is not unbelievable, this... What, did I hit him? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've seen you kill one before, so I I knew you could do it. And even if you missed him, I knew that you had more shells. I, I mean, I could have sat there and, and waved a white bed sheet at that thing. He was coming. Yeah. He was convinced. 
that that fan was a male turkey and that with it being in full, you know, in full strut that whole time and then suddenly it comes out of strut, he thinks that the, whatever turkey he's been gobbling at is scared and, and trying to get away, and he's coming now. Mm-hmm. I think I could have jumped up and hollered at him, and he's still coming after that van. He had one thing on his mind, and, and, and I mean, it was, I was almost shooting him out of self-defense at that point. Yeah. So after you shoot him, you're pretty jacked up. I'm pretty jacked up just because of the way all this went down. We get over there. Yeah, I mean, we went from the lowest of the lows of missing two turkeys to having a double on the ground in about 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, so from the lowest of the lows to the highest of the highs of turkey hunting that quick. We get up there to that turkey, and I recall you flipping him over with your foot, moving the, the tail fan feathers out of the way. And looking at his spurs, and you said, well, I'll have to bleep this part out. Yeah. You exclaimed something. And... To the effect of... Yeah. Look at the ice picks on him. Yeah. So, how long were his spurs? Just over two inches. Do you remember how long his beard was? Wasn't it about 11? Yeah. Ten and a half? Yeah. Was, I mean, and, and not just the length of it. Because I know a turkey's beard gets, you know, rubbed off as they are, but it's the thickness of it, the, the bushiness of it. I mean, it was, I mean, it was thick. I mean, I ain't going to say it's as thick as my wrist because it, it wasn't that thick. But it was, you know, I mean, you know how some turkeys will have a long beard, but it may be as big around as your thumb. Mm-hmm. This one, this one was, you know, as big around as a quarter anyway. I mean, it was a big, heavy, thick paintbrush of a beard yeah. and, you know, and, and long too. But the the hooks on that turkey were unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Two and a six, two inches, two inches and one sixteenth, I think, is what they both, and they're almost exactly the same. We have a lot of sandy soil down there. There's no rocks in that part of the of the country where we hunt, so there's nothing to wear them off or anything like that. And uh, we get some some long spurs down there, but these were the longest I've ever, by far. I mean, by far the longest spurs I've ever killed on a turkey. Yeah, yeah. So. Just what you said, we went from having really a heck of a hunt. Had you or I not squeezed the trigger not one time that morning, it still would have been a good hunt. Yeah, because, I mean, we had, you know, I mean, we heard hundreds of gobbles. Yeah, a lot of gobbling going on. We had a lot of repositioning, a lot of strategy going, working this, trying to work that, trying to get this strategy to work. And, you know, you keep running through those tools in the toolbox until you find one that works or you don't. Right, or you scare them off or whatever. Yeah, and we knew they were there because they were responding to calls. They just weren't coming. They just weren't coming. So we're going to keep trying these different tools. We found one that worked, called them both in, ended up getting one after we thought we had none. And then the bird that you missed that has two and over two-inch spurs and is probably a a 143-year-old turkey. Oh, man, I know. In Alabama which would be a very, very, very smart turkey, just, just starts gobbling again on his own. On his own, for no reason. You know, we've talked about that since, and I've thought about it a lot since then. And I do think that those last 30 minutes of his life, 45 minutes of his life, were probably the only 45 minutes of his life that he had ever been alone. Yeah. Completely alone. And... He went from having two subordinate long beards and probably a Jake in there. I don't, I can't remember if we saw a Jake or not. And about five hens that he was in charge of, and we busted them up. And now he's over there and wants to know 
where is everybody and why are you not with me? Because the way it worked out and the way me jumping over the fence as quick as I did, it busted him up and he went by himself one way and everything else went the other way. Yeah. And I do think that that, that last bit of him being completely alone and knowing that everything that he's worked so hard for has gone the other way, you know, and, and he's bound and determined to herd his group back up. And I think that's what made him susceptible to calling at that point. Now, I'm not suggesting going in and busting up flocks of turkeys in the spring is, is necessarily a good, you know, or, or is, 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 you know, is something to do every time you get the chance. You know, I, you know, I think it would mess you up more than it would help you. Right. But under certain circumstances, getting a turkey separated from what his group or his, you know, whether it be hens or whether it be, you know, just whatever it is, that sometimes if they're not you know, too scared or gone, you know, if, if you'll just hang on a minute and listen, softly call a little bit, they have a flocking instinct. And I think, you know, and a lot of times, even though, you know, you feel like it's over and it may be over, you know, and, and most of the times in my experience, it has been over, yeah. but occasionally it's not over. Give them a chance to calm down a little bit and call and they may start responding again. This one, luckily for us, started responding because I never would have thought, to go try to, because I figured he was in the next county after the way he took off flying and everything, you know. And, um, but, you know, it turned out that um, just us not making a bunch of noise, just kind of milling around the woods looking for your dead turkey for a few minutes, let everything calm down. And then now he's looking for friends again or girls again or whatever, you know. I mean, he, he's looking to get his group back that he's in charge of, you know, and he's kind of, you know, on edge, if you will, that he's by himself. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine very much like us, that turkey ran through a whole host of emotions as well Mm -hmm. his last 30 or 45 minutes that he was alive because he had the crap scared out of him. Right. After he's walking around that morning gobbling and being king of the world. Right. Everything's normal and, and, you know, this is my day. Yeah, he gets scared to death. Then he becomes lonely. Then he becomes jealous. Right. He's mad. And then he's dead. And then he's dead. Yeah. So, I mean... You and I went through optimism, a lack of optimism, and being... Dejection. <laughs> yes, being dejected and down on the world because we thought we both missed turkeys when we had the opportunity to at least kill one. Then right. We found the one and were excited. You heard that one gobble, and so we just, you know, we didn't even go right after the turkey... No, not the first time we heard him gobble. When he when he gobbled, started gobbling again. But we had made up our mind that that's what we were going to do. I never expected him just to fire up like he did. I mean, he was gobbling right. on his own, gobbling his brains out. Right, as we're getting closer to him, before we even started really calling him, I mean, he's, he's beginning to tear it up on his own, you know. And then when we called to him, hen calls had less excite or less um respond. I mean, he responded to the hen calls, but he really responded to to the. Uh, to the other, uh, thinking that there's another male there, yeah. you know, he, that's what, that was his trigger that day at that time, yeah. you know, and, um, and that's the, you know, that's what's so fascinating about turkey hunting to me. And it's so exciting. What works like gangbusters, the, the, the very next day, say we hadn't killed that turkey and gone on the very next, that thing may have been completely closed mouth and not gobbling at anything after the scare he got there. You know, yeah, there's just no telling what mm-hmm. it is. And, and it's such a, 
you know, a chess game, and I know that's kind of a cliche that you always hear about turkey hunting and everything, but that's, you know, I mean, that's what holds the allure to that sport is what worked today is not necessarily going to work tomorrow. And But what worked five years ago in this particular situation, remember that because it might work again under similar circumstances, mm-hmm. you know. And um, it's just a, you know, it's just a fascinating thing all yeah. the way around. Well, and I've touched on it a couple of times. You've touched on it a couple of times. This whole gamut of emotions that we ran through, we haven't mentioned the emotions of one other player in this story. Which is? Who is your twin cousin, Eric? <laughs> yep, because... <clears throat> All right, so we've got these two turkeys dead. And he has literally spent every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, for what the weekend, I mean, the the season is six weekends long and and he probably stole off yeah and he probably stole off some time during the week and honestly he probably spent five weekends well he wasn't there that weekend so that was that was the sixth or seventh so virtually his whole season in the morning on this piece of property trying to kill these two some of these turkeys and he had them pattern i mean he told us the day before they're going to be either here or here and you'll hear another one that's kind of off to the side goblin and well you know and and that's where they were that's what they did yeah. we varied the way we went after them and i think that made a big difference you know i don't think we you know did anything that he didn't do once we got into the only difference was we came from a different direction and it was, you know, and, and so that morning they looked out in the field and that red truck wasn't there. So they they thought it was, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Yeah, they were safe to they were safe to hang out in Do the pasture they to. Yeah. instead of going over to the neighbors where they were not being harassed. Right, and it just is one of those things that. I mean, we do it as as hunters, we do it as workers, we do it as, you know, as churchgoers. We do the same thing over and over and over, you know, and and we get into ruts and patterns. And, and, you know, whether you're deer hunting or turkey hunting or calling coyotes, if you continually do the same thing, the, the animals will pattern you as much as you try to pattern them. Bingo. And no matter what... An animal doesn't have to do what you think it's going to do. It don't have to do anything. It's going to do what it wants to do. And if you continually do the same thing and are not having success, if you're parking in the same spot, listening in the same spot, hooting the same way, using the same cadence of calls and all that, you're doing yourself a disservice you know, from target hunting. You need to park in a different area and come from a different direction, even if it means a longer walk, because we had a hell of a lot longer walk than than what if we just drove up into the pasture right. and and parked and walked in. And that's not to say that he hadn't killed any turkeys on that pasture, parking in the pasture and walking in, because he had. He's killed some turkeys over there before. But I think that he, you know, like all of us, had kind of gotten into a rut, and, you know, he could get in the woods well before daylight. You know, they weren't seeing him in the truck or, or anything like that, and he was hearing them. It, it just... We threw him a curveball, and that's that's all it, it boiled down to. Yeah, and that's what you know. A lot of times, that's that's the difference because he was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only reason I'm laughing is because I wasn't on his end of it. No, I know I was on the killing side of it, so that's that's why I'm laughing. You know, and I kind of I kind of felt 
bad, not bad enough not to do it, but bad that I, you know, that, that I shot it, like I said, but because he had spent a lot of time, and I hated that I shot his, the turkeys he had been going after, but, you know, like I said, I didn't feel bad enough not to do it. But well, And he gave up on them. He, he said, yeah, he no, did. I'm through with them. You guys go chase them. I'm tired of it. Yeah, y'all go run them around. You, you'll you see what I'm talking about. Them things, are, you can't kill them. They're impossible. Okay. All right, well, we'll go give it a shot. And I think the fact that we hadn't been after them five weeks in a row, we, we just came at it with fresh set of eyes, and that's what you've always got to do, you know, in my opinion, to be successful hunting turkeys, is try something different, you know. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, that is a hunt, and actually it wasn't just one hunt, but at least two hunts that I will never forget, ever. Yeah. Ever, Absolutely. Ever forget. It, the hunt from the morning before was amazing because it lasted so long and we called two gobblers away from two hens. Yeah. And you and not only did we call them away from two hens, but we called them away from two hens and 400 yards across a, or down a power line towards us. Right. Or gas down line they towards cut. us. Yeah. So and uh, that never should have happened. Right. And that was solely, in my opinion, based on having that fan it's amazing to me looking at it and and you know the experience i've had with turkeys and how many you know probably hundreds of turkeys i've scared off over the years by moving or doing something you know what how much movement you can get away with when you have that fan i mean we shifted positions that morning with those turkeys just out in front of us you know 200 yards and which is plenty close enough for them to see you yeah. We switched positions four or five times that morning, moved around, peed a couple of times. I mean, there was, you know, I mean, move, it's just amazing to me. As long as you've got full camo on, but if you, it's almost like that they focus on that fan to the exclusion of everything else. Well, and, and you can. They know when they see that fan, they know that there is movement and motion. They know that there's a turkey attached to it. Right. Usually. So they're yeah. So they're not freaked out when when they see the slightest little, little bit of movement, you know. Exactly. And um, it it really is. I mean, probably under you know under most circumstances, the you know I mean carrying decoys around, you know. Is carry you know I mean I don't even carry them anymore because you know I mean I, I put miles and miles on them and, and I've scared away more turkeys than I've called in with decoys, and in Alabama, and you know I know they work way out west in those big fields and all that kind of stuff, but that ain't where we're hunting. We're hunting tight, and um, you know you're pretty close to a turkey when when he sees you generally, you know in Alabama, but that fan is unbelievable. Yeah. How I mean you freaking walked up and 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 stalked that hen in that field and you're standing up yeah you know straight and all you've got is that fan up and she's just walking around looking kind of looking over her shoulder every now and again at you yeah and you walk right up to i mean if it had been a, a gobbler you could have killed it you know i mean it's no it's unbelievable yeah. unbelievable what you can get away with you know i don't know if she thought that was the tallest turkey she'd ever seen but you know i mean it's just it, it, you know you weren't squatted down walking to it or anything but it, it, it's that to me is indispensable i mean that's that's right behind boots and 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 shells in my gun yeah you know to to have in the woods now yeah with me and and i'll be the first to admit i was dubious about it you know i know i'd heard y'all's story from when y'all went to um uh ohio yeah Yeah, of how you know that it worked and all that and i thought you know and 
you know, and I, and I didn't doubt it or anything. You know, I, mean, I, I knew, you know, it, it made sense, and I, I've seen turkeys do some things, you know, but until you've actually used it to move on a goblin turkey and get into a position in, in a way that before, without a fan, there's no possible way you could have made that move. Yeah. There's no possible way. And to be able to, to, you know, to get away with a movement and moving your gun up and everything, now you still got to be completely, you know, camouflage from head to toe and that sort of thing you know and uh and of course it always brings up you know the safety issue you know i mean luckily we all down here mostly hunt on you know on private land you kind of know who all's there and everything so it's a little bit safer you know and that and that sort of thing but you know see there is a safety issue you got to think about carrying a, a full-size fan in the woods and that kind of stuff but still i mean i would i i will not hunt without it anymore yeah yeah it's a good strategy. It's a good tool, you know. But it is mm-hmm. just what what we talked about a minute ago. It's another yeah. tool, and and there's times to use it, and there's times to not use it, and right. there's times it works, and times it doesn't work. And we just happened to hit two mornings where it did work, and mm-hmm. paid off in dividends. So it did. Yeah. You know, I haven't been in a situation where, like decoys, in my experience, have actually scared off turkeys. You know, uh, granted, I've only been using it two years. First turkey I come up next year will probably run off when he sees it. But, you know, I've, it just seems to me to be, for what it is and the ease of use and carrying it around, it, it just seems to be a lot more effective and a lot more of a, you know, a, of an easier use tool. I mean, because you, you've got it, you know, around your neck, and all you got to do is turn it around right in front of you. And, and you're you're basically hidden. It's almost you know like you, you it, it makes you invisible at yeah. times. And um, but like you said, I mean it, it's not gonna it ain't the end all be all. But it, it's the most effective weapon outside of a shotgun that I've ever seen to use on a turkey hunt. Yeah. And I've been you know I mean we've been hunting together 25 years and uh, 26 years, however long it is. And um, it's just. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. No yep. doubt. Well, buddy, well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing the story with us this evening. Yeah. You know, it just it's too good of a story to not share, and I think there's so many lessons that people can take away from this. And I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate all the opportunities that you and I have had to hunt together, and I'm looking forward to getting in the woods with you this spring and laying down some more beards. Doing it again. Absolutely. Wouldn't miss it all for the world. Yeah, good deal. So, all right. Well, good luck with everything, and, and I'll talk to you before then, and it'll be it, it'll be uh, goblin time here in a minute. It won't be long. It's already January. We'll be ready to go. I know. I know. So, all right. All right well, bye. you have a good night, and I'll talk okay. to you later. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, so I hope that you guys enjoyed the story of the delayed double. There were a couple of takeaways in that story for me, and one of them is that even though we see a turkey run off after our shot, we owe it to ourselves, and especially to the turkey, to take the time and the effort to go and look for that bird that we shot that we think has just run off. You would do the same exact thing if you'd shot a big whitetail buck, and out of respect for the animal, we should do the same exact thing for a turkey. No, typically, we're not going to have a blood trail to follow. But if you keep your eye on where that bird went, most of the time, that bird is following some sort of a trail if he's in the woods. And you can follow that trail and keep your eyes open 
on the sides of the trail and look very closely underneath any blowdowns or brush piles because turkeys will often get into those and hide and then that is where they'll expire and you'll walk past them if you're looking around in the open for them a lot of times. So keep that in mind. The other takeaway for me from this hunt is that when we do miss a turkey, we don't have to give up on that turkey. If we shoot and the turkey runs off and we don't run after it and scare it too terribly bad, then there's a really good chance that turkey is not going very far, maybe three or 400 yards. And you never know what's going to happen after that turkey runs off, settles down for a few minutes, and Mother Nature kicks in again. Now that gobbler that has never been alone since March is now by himself and looking for company. Whether that company is male or female, he's looking for company. So if we miss one, it's best after we've looked for it just to sit for a little bit, let things settle back down for 30 minutes or an hour, and then ease around to a different location and start calling again. I think if we'll do that, we'll be surprised at how many times we do get a response from the same bird that we just missed because that bird did not know what that loud noise was that scared him off. And some birds get more scared than others. And if we can find one of those that doesn't get real scared, he may start gobbling again in 30 minutes or an hour. So keep that in mind. Try that out this spring. Hopefully you won't miss one, but if you're like me, you probably will. And on that note, that's all that I've got for you guys this week. But before I let you go, if you would, please do me two favors. If you would, please help me out with the end of year 2017 listener survey. That survey is 10 questions long. It'll take you about two minutes, literally two minutes to complete the survey. And that survey gives me some insight as to what you guys are looking for in the show and some things that I can do to make the show better. So that listener survey is a huge help to me. If you will complete that, and the way that you do that is text the word HELP, H-E-L-P, 2018, HELP 2018. Text that to the number 44222, and then just follow directions from there. The second favor that I need from you is this. If you would please email me any show topic or suggestions that you would like for me to cover, in upcoming episodes of the Turkey Hunter podcast, I will be glad to start working on some of those. I've been getting a few of them in here lately, and I'm very appreciative of that. But like I've said in the past, and I really do feel this way, this is your show. I want to bring you information that will help you be a better turkey hunter. And one of the ways I can do that is for you to let me know what you want to hear on the show. So, Email those show topic suggestions to me to andy, A-N-D-Y, at IamTurkeyHunting.com. It's just that easy. And some of you guys have been sending me topic suggestions on Facebook and Twitter and then through my website as well. And I want to say that I appreciate that very much, but if you'll send those to me via email there's a much better chance that they will get put on the list because I can sit down with my notebook in front of my email and write those topic suggestions down along with your names. If you send it to me on Twitter, because I have the Twitter app on my phone, there's a good chance that 
I will not be in front of my notebook when I see that message and it'll get put on the back burner and forgotten. And I don't want to forget those show topics that you send me. So email those to me, Andy at I am Turkey Hunting. That's all that I've got for you guys this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.